And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Welcome to the Great Movies Podcast, a retrospective film review show where we watch and discuss the movies covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Dylan Quare, and today I have two guests on with me instead of Janet and Nick, as we would usually do, because they had better stuff to do. Uh, my first guest is a podcast artist and returning guest, Scott Brady. How are you doing, Scott? I am doing just fine today, Dylan. How are you? Good. How do you feel being specifically used so far in this podcast to tell us how about an- live-action animated movies? An- live-action anime movies, quote-unquote. I mean, there's not really a whole lot else I'd be good for on this podcast, so <laughs> it, it works just fine for me. Fair enough. And my other guest, um, you might know her from Glitterbox. Her name is Kaylee. How are you doing, Kaylee? I'm good. This is my first time on a podcast, so I'm a little nervous. And I'm also not That's a celebrity, fine. but... Hi. Hi. Uh, and today we're not talking about one of the movies out of Roger Ebert's uh, Great Movies book, because um, we're going to be talking about a even greater movie than any of those. <laughs> yeah. Better than Citizen Kane, better than Casablanca. We're talking about... So. <laughs> hey, we're talking about the 20... 2008 Wachowski Sisters masterpiece, Speed Racer. Yes. Yes! Very good. <laughs> now... We are talking about this because Scott has been bugging me for quite a long time. That when we had a break and you were free... That's only partially true, but yes, go on. (laughs) That when we had a break and that you were free, we had to talk about Speed Racer. The day has come. Are you ready, Scott? I'm very ready. I couldn't be more ready. All right. So I want to first talk about uh, some of, like your guys's history with the Chavsky sisters movies um they've made some i'd say all their movies are big in some way whether or not they made it big or were critically big is very much up for debate um so i want to kind of get your perspective so uh kaylee what what is sort of your history on like watching oh, Wachowski God. movies so i'm a really bad cinephile actually and i have not seen too many of their films yes how have i not seen the matrix i don't know um so i got yeah i haven't seen like most of their stuff which is a shame because um i think i'd like it but um i -hmm. got introduced to speed racer because a friend of mine online friend of mine was a big fan of theirs and a big fan of speed racer and he said you know what we should do group watch and i said you know what you love this movie so much i will do a group watch with you and then it ended up being the best movie ever and i've rewatched it on my own and it's still the best movie ever but uh, my kind of um sort of relationship to to the wakowskis is mostly seeing kind of the joy their films spark in others uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, The Matrix has this omnipresent kind of grasp on pop culture. But that's kind of my experience with them. So, Speed Racer. Okay, is Speed Racer the only one you've seen then, or have you seen uh, another Let one? me check Letterboxd, actually, because they kind of do that for me. Lord praise Letterboxd. Yes. Um, I, I'm kind of like a little bit of a different Wachowski fan where I think The Matrix movies are my least favorite of theirs so yeah you're you've never 
been very uh, effusive about the Matrix movies? I, I haven't been negative about them either. I think I either have them at like a four or a three and a half on Letterboxd. So like mm-hmm. good movies, but not like, you know, something Not for like, you. Not, not like Speed Racer where I just like, <laughs> you know, a spouse joy every time I, I think about Speed Racer. And I'm a huge Cloud Atlas fan as well. Um, I haven't seen Jupiter Ascending and I haven't seen Bound. <clears throat> oh, I've um, seen Jupiter Ascending. Oh, what do you think of Jupiter Ascending? I liked it actually. Um, it's That's very awesome. That makes me so happy to hear. <laughs> it's very stupid. It's like Star Wars, but uh-huh. dumber, which I love. Because Star Wars should be dumb. That's what Star Wars should be. But that's a topic for another day. Uh, but it's actually that was a topic I had brought up in my notes. Is I don't know why something like Star Wars succeeds and Speed Racer doesn't because they give me a very similar vibe. Of <sighs> we're going back to just cheesy fun for everyone vibe. Yeah, well, I think that's part of the reason why the prequels got bashed at the time because they're super cheesy. Uh, mm-hmm. I love them. But yeah, Jupiter Ascending Same. is like the most gonzo, stupid kind of space opera with Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> I don't even know what he's doing and I love it. it it's good. Okay, good. Um, and Scott, what is sort of your history with the Wachowski movies? So, I think I've told you this before. I also have not seen The Matrix or mm. any of the uh, sequels of Varying Qualities. <laughs> um, so, Speed Racer, I think, is the only film of theirs that I've actually seen. Okay. Um, I guess the, the interesting thing for me, and I guess this kind of goes into a side tangent that uh, ties back into Speed Racer to some extent, is when you look at The Matrix... It's a movie that, you know, it's not based on an actual, like, anime property or IP, but is heavily influenced by anime. Oh, yeah. Like, for sure. you could probably throw um, Chronicle and, uh, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Uh, um, the Pacific Rim movies into that category as well, where they're all influenced by specific genres, or in Chronicle's sure. case, an actual specific film or IP. But mm-hmm. it's not actually about that. They just took stuff from it. Like, you know, Pacific Rim is Gundam, but not Gundam. Mm-hmm. And um, Matrix is Ghost in the Shell, but not Ghost in the Shell. Chronicle is Akira, but not Akira, and oh. you know, so on and so forth. But um, you're, you're the first person actually in the whole world to mention Chronicle in the last six years. So I just want to congratulate <laughs> you so on that, Scott. Mean. Well, I mean, it probably <laughs> has a lot to do with Josh Trank turning into a hot mess, but that's probably a topic for another <laughs> podcast. I mean... Yeah, and you're the first person to mention Scott Trank, or, uh, Josh Trank in uh, six years yeah. as well. So. Rick Fantastic Four. Yeah. No, wait, Al Capone, the Al Capone movie. That, I, I saw people talking about that one. Oh my god, he made the Tom Hardy album. Yeah, that was him. That oh was like his goodness. life work. Yeah. Yeah, that's news to me. And he's an auteur, like, you know. <laughs> Kurosawa yeah. trembles. That's that's one way to describe him. <laughs> I, I I think you can be an auteur and be a shitty auteur at the same time. Oh yes. totally, yeah. I would agree. So I think Josh Trink would fill that mold. <laughs> same as like Roland Emmerich or something. Anyway, I'm going off track and I need to stay on track. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about kind of before we get into the plot is sort of the relationship to like other big summer blockbuster films from that year. Um, 2008 kind of feels like a turning point. Um, 2008 was a big year. 
Yeah, I think before, there, like, definitely there was a lot of commodifications of, like, sequels and reboots and stuff that were, like, dominating the box office, but it wasn't, like, any single one thing. Like, it could be uh, a Star Wars movie, it could be a Pixar movie, it could be superhero movies were sort of coming into the thing. And I think yeah. in 2008, there were three movies that kind of, like, decided how things were going to be yeah. for the next... 10 years um 20 years one being oh my god we're old <laughs> uh one would be iron man which basically started like the marvelification of things like every, every movie needs to be serialized built in together ip process another one is dark knight which is everything needs to be more gritty more realistic um and the last one would be twilight i think harry potter kind of did it first but like Let's take book uh, that lots of kids read and let's make movies after movies and split books into movies, parts one and two and stuff like that. Um, I think individually, all three of those movies are pretty good to some degree. Um, But I kind of dislike what each of those movies sort of did to the cinematic landscape as a whole. Hmm. And I really kind of wish that more things took and did what Speed Racer did, if Speed Racer was a success. Um, what do you mean? Just, like... I mean that, like, I think if Speed Racer was more of a success, like maybe The Matrix was, that we could have seen more stylized, more earnest, more cheesy movies that could have been of a higher quality like these those would have been green litter produced or something instead of everything trying to either build around uh a long-term storyline and you know a 20 movie series or if what dylan what dylan is basically saying if speed racer was successful then we never would have gotten justice league the snyder cut it's a linear path oh you don't want the snyder bros coming after you though i don't care let them actually that's I don't know, bringing up now. That's all I have to say about the Snyder Bros. <laughs> yeah, it's the great right... to flip, flip Zack Snyder off on an audio medium podcast. I don't know if now is no. the right time to bring it up, but that's an interesting point about how both the Marvel movies and the DC movies are not very... A lot of... I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd categorize Snyder this way, but they're not very earnest movies. Like, Marvel no. always has to remove itself from any sort of emotional core with this layer of kind of quips and cynicism and sort of this winking kind of like, okay, we had something sad, now joke's time. And then DC... I hate it. DC, I feel like the Nolan movies, some of... have made some movies almost embarrassed to be superhero movies because you watch The Dark Knight. It's very akin not so much two superhero movies, it's akin to heat, it's akin to action movies. Yes. And I think the influence some people took from that was, okay, superheroes are lame, let's, let's, let's be embarrassed about that. So I think this idea that both Iron Man and um, The Dark Knight set the tone for a lot of movies to almost be embarrassed about what they are is an interesting, not a unique mm-hmm. insight, but you kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, um, and... I don't know if, like, all the Marvel or DC movies are, like, embarrassed of itself, but it tries to sort of remove itself from, like, the kitschy, fun comic book origins that they sort of came from. I feel like uh, the, the, with, I mean, I'm a big, you know, loser MCU stan, so... <laughs> oh, sure. Say worth no, no, please. But the, um, 
the Marvel movies, I feel like some of them do that, mm-hmm. but there's definitely varying degrees of success. Yeah. Like, Iron Man is one of my favorite just films, period. It's, mm-hmm. um, and the... Uh, like, obviously, it was the first of the MCU, so when it came out, there was something of a novelty to it. I have a history with the character, you know, from yeah. reading the comic books years before the movie even came out. So that plays into it a little bit, too, and gives me some bias on it. But I do think that, you know, if you're watching Iron Man or, like, the first Guardians yes. of the Galaxy movie or, like, you know, Thor Ragnarok. The first Thor Ragnarok. Like, Captain America, I would say, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Like, if you're watching any of those versus like Ultron you know, is the ultimate for me. Like, yeah, it doesn't want to be a super or like Iron Man two, which you may as well have called oh. like Avengers the prequel. Yeah, like, yes. There wasn't a whole lot of substance there, um, or even like uh, the um, the Incredible Hulk movie. Like, it was <sighs> at the time I gave it a pass and thought it was pretty good, just because I have movies of going to see Ang Lee's Hulk as like an eight-year-old and that's it was like the it was the first movie I remember going to the theater like as a kid thinking Mm -hmm. that it was like a steaming pile of dog shit (laughs) so I think I I like the Ang Lee Hulk I had no discernment as a child I, I I should say I haven't gone back and watched it probably since I saw it that one time in theaters so if I, I went mean, back and rewatched it, might form some different opinions about it. But it's, I don't know. For me, so much of the experience with seeing the, whether it's MCU or DC or whomever, it's the real, you know, fanboy fetishization. Fetis- I can't talk. Fetishization of like, you know, well, how accurate is it to the comics? And sure. what did they adapt well? What did they not adapt well? You know, and a lot of the more, you know, cinematic viewing qualities that you know other people might be looking for aren't as much of a thing for me mm-hmm. but that's more so with that specific subset of movies if that makes sure. any sense sorry yeah. i'm like rambling a lot no, no that totally good. makes sense i think the better marvel movies lean into being fun and excited yes i agree with that without being snarky 100 percent. yeah and to bring it back to speed racer that's part of why and i was texting dylan about this last night that's part of why i like speed racing so much is it doesn't take itself too seriously mm-hmm. it knows exactly what it is and it really leans into it and creates a really fun you know movie watching experience i actually would kind of argue that it does take itself seriously you know but what, not but you're right not it, in it, it the does. dark yes. night seriously it takes this idea of family of individual identity Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's like we are gonna make these themes incredibly serious to our movie, but that right. doesn't mean we have to make it like really dark and depressing. Right. Which exactly. I, th- I think it's I think it's completely fine to make dark and depressing movies. And, and like I know I kind of bashed the Marvelization of movies. I don't like that, but I do like quite a bit of the MCU movies in sure. general. It's mm-hmm. just I wish we had a movie more movies like Speed Racer, which is like this is honestly what we are. We're just a dumb movie with like hot wheels cars that like are like vroom vroom like little kids play them and like we're just gonna tell our serious emotional story through <laughs> dumb fun action i i wish mm-hmm. we had more of that um, yeah. fast and furious is trying 
kind of. Fast and Furious is a good one. Um, <laughs> it's a, it works in some, kind of like Marvel, it works in some and doesn't work in others for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to see how Fast 9 does. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about there. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about before we kind of get to the plot, just real quickly, we usually, uh, because lots of the movies we talk about are like Oscar award winners, we usually do a little bit of an Oscar section pre-movie. <laughs> I don't have anything to talk about in the Oscars here. Didn't get nominated for a single Oscar, which oh, wow. honestly surprised me. I thought it might Rob. have a technical... Right? Rob. Well, I remember, because I remember reading at some point, like, because the, the other thing with Speed Racer is going back to the fact that it came out that same summer as Dark Knight and Iron Man. Like, it did okay at the box office, but it was arguably, like, the fourth or fifth, like, uh, I, I think, I can't remember. I, I swear I remember reading it, like, the highest it did as far as, like, grossing profit was, like, fourth or fifth that summer, or, like, the weekend it came out. Because I think it actually came out, like, I think it came, the weekend I think it got after. Third. Well, yeah, the... it came out. The Wikipedia entry is saying based on its total gross, it was considered a box office bomb. I'm sorry. Sweet racer. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Um, as I recall, um, I didn't do any research on this. Even Iron Man, it was big, but it was really overshadowed by the Dark Knight. um, Yeah, Dark Knight was huge, huge, huge. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Hold on. I'm sorry. I I went to Box Office Mojo to see um, where Speed Racer was that year. Dark Knight is number one. Iron Man is number two. Can you guys guess what three and four are for 2008 of the highest box office domestic movies? Revolutionary uh, World? Was one of the Twilight? <laughs> I don't know. What came out in 2008? Uh, it, it wasn't... What did you say, Scott? Uh, was it one of the Twilights or whatever? No, Twilight uh, was like eight, it looks like. Uh, Rambo? Tropic Thunder? I don't know. Tropic Thunder came out in 08. I think, yeah. The um, House Tropic Bunny? Thunder, I wouldn't be surprised. Wally. Okay. Wally's very close. Wally's close enough that I'll, I'll just give it to you guys because I don't think you guys would ever get it. Um, okay, third, you might get it's uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was another one that I remember seeing in theaters and just like, ugh, it, was, it was bad. Anyway, what was four? Hancock. Oh, fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Who remembers Hancock? Uh, well, I didn't even go see it in theaters. I think I watched it like, um, like, I don't know, HBO or something one night with my parents like a year after it came out. I'm like, I remember I kind of liked the opening to it. I liked what they were doing. I'm like, it's a superhero movie, but it's not taking itself too seriously, but it's doing some stuff differently. And it's then it's an interesting like interesting concept. Yeah, and then when they have the thing where you find out that uh, George Michael's wife is um, George Will Smith. Michael. George sorry, Michael is uh, um, he's the he's Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Jason no. ba- Jason Bateman's just jo- uh, is. Oh yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm getting the names mixed up. Anyway, that's you okay. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. When you find out that his wife is Will Smith's character's, like, long-lost lover, and they have these, you know, powers bestowed upon them, and, like, it just They were, like, what the ancient Egyptians worshipped or something? Yeah, it's like, you know, 
He was found like passed out somewhere 60 years ago with a ticket to the original Frankenstein movie in his pocket. And he's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, okay, I'm going to tell you guys real quickly. The movie is that Speed Racer was next to in the domestic box office. It oh, was dear. just higher than Welcome Home Roscoe Jenkins, Rambo, huh. and Prom Night. Huh. And just below Maid of Honor, College Road Trip, and The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2. Oh, this is, God. This is the region we're seeing Speed Racer in box office-wise. So failed old celebrity like projects. to all the crappy movies I had to watch on school trips in high school. Oh, my God. Will Smith's Seven Pounds did better. Not... The Day That Earth Stood Still remake did better. <laughs> That's interesting that Will Smith was still dominating the box office at that time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Don't... has he ever, like, not dominated the box I office? I mean, in stuff? recent years. After, what's what's the Shyamalan? Is it After Earth? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that the one he cast was in. Was that the one that he was in with his kid that totally bombed? Yes. And the yeah. Netflix Dessert, one. Right? The Bright. Uh, well, and he was in, um... Wasn't he in Suicide Squad? Or no, not Suicide Squad. He was yeah. in Suicide Squad. Yeah. yeah, he was in Suicide Squad, and that bombed. Yeah. No, that actually was a bit of a success, or it, right? It did well, like, financially it did well, but critically people just yeah, yeah. Took, rightfully took a dump on it. But it makes <laughs> yeah. me kind of think that in 2008, you know, we talk a lot about the death of the movie star, and in 2008 you can kind of see the transition from... You, a lot yeah. of you're listing a lot of like romantic comedies, Will Smith movies, kind of movies that rely on their actors to kind of carry them a little bit, and you mm-hmm. kind of see Iron Man, Dark Knight, and Twilight lay the transition to go more into franchise. Yeah, IP property. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, beating Speed Racer this year, High School Musical three senior year, <laughs> Beverly Hills Chihuahua as it should. Ten thousand BC. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Yes, man, and you don't mess with the Zohan. Oh, dear lord. <laughs> Dylan, you're making me wish that my Seagram's ginger ale was a beer, and I'm very sad that it's not. <laughs> it, I, I just can't get over how much it bombed, and I think what that did when something like Dark Knight and Iron Man succeeded the same year. That really um, helps Chihuahua was... A, a movie yes. I watched. Yes. Anyway. Was it good? Well, it was about a talking chihuahua. You can you can you can extrapolate from there. Draw your own conclusions. Yes. Better than that talking guinea pig movie I watched when I was like ten. So. Talking guinea pig movie. G Force. Yeah. Oh my god, G Force. Oh, that was bad. I'm getting a lot of flashbacks talking about 2000s movies today. I was 10 when it came out. Wait, how old was I? When did G-Force come out? Anyway, back to important things. Uh, on, uh, okay, that's right. Uh, wanted to talk a bit about uh, sort of the critical accolades to it. Um, and like I said, zero Oscars anywhere down the board, which is horrifying to think about. Um but, but, that's okay, because it got a Golden Raspberry nomination. Oh, um, no. Yes. For, let me see what it was. Um, Who was the unfortunate uh, 
or was it just the movie itself? Or it was just the movie itself. Um, the movie content. was nominated for worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel, along with The Day the Earth Stood Still, Disaster Movie, Meet the Spartans, Star Wars The Clone Wars, the animated feature movie. Oh, God, that was bad. It is oh, bad. This... Oh, I remember... Okay, I'm sorry. Just I, I went and saw that with my brother, and like he loved it because he was a kid at the time. <laughs> and I mean, like... Like the Star Wars Clone Wars animated stuff ended up like being really, really, really good. But yeah, because yeah, of incredible. that movie, it took me a really long time Same. to like come around on it. Because oh god, that, I'm sorry. Can continue. Just yeah, more, no. more nom flashbacks. <laughs> I, 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 I totally movies. agree. It's got my favorite Star Wars stuff in the entire sort of canon. But you're right. That movie sucks. The winner was Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Good. It deserved it. <laughs> Well deserved. <laughs> Does it deserve it more than Meet the Spartans? Does it actually deserve it more than Meet the Spartans? Yeah, that's actually a pretty good point. Meet the Spartans was trash. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a Kingdom of the Crystal Skull fan, but wow. was that part of that like cottage industry where they were doing like scary movie, epic movie? Was that yeah, that show? was all the all the Wayans Brothers spinoff stuff because they had. What they it, 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 it was uh, Friedberg and Seltzer. Those were the two directors that yeah. made all those movies. Yeah, that was where... Because they had the four scary movies. You had date movie, epic movie, superhero movie. That one I actually kind of like, just because I liked how it made fun of different tropes and stuff, but it's also <laughs> not great. Um, mm -hmm. Disaster movie was really bad. Um, and yeah, Meet, Meet the Spartans was bad. Did you ever see Vampires Suck? No. I like that the title. one. I don't know that one. There were parts of it that I enjoyed just because I really, really hate the entire Twilight franchise. So that was amusing. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of like MCU movies for me. Like a couple of the Twilight movies are okay. Oh, I love the first Twilight movie. It is so fun. The first Twilight movie is real fun. <laughs> I was a very not... embittered high schooler when they came out, so I was not the target demographic for that. I read the books, and honestly, it doesn't have that much material to work with, so that it's funny. It's like <laughs> That's a good point. It's, Stephanie it's... Meyer cannot write. Very good point. Yes, and like the books are just like boring, so like it, it, it really it made <laughs> the most of what it had. Okay. Scott, okay, I don't know if you actually know this, but Scott and I met because of a baseball podcast Facebook group that <laughs> yes. spawned into all these other splinter groups of movies and books. Many, and many tentacles that have sprouted more tentacles. I run the 40, like 40 groups that have splintered off, and I don't probably don't even run half of them. But so we come from a baseball background. The baseball scene in the Twilight movie is so awesome. <laughs> It's ridiculously over the top, but but in, the, in a well good done. good yes. way. Have you guys um, seen? Especially because the bar for baseball in both films and television is set so so low. You haven't seen the super boring 1973 De Niro movie, Bang the Drum Slowly, which I did not watch for the baseball. But anyway, <laughs> what did you watch it for? You looked cute in it. Anyway, moving on. Um. <laughs> Twilight. Have you guys seen the Twitter thing um, where they take away the blue tint on that scene and show what it looks no. like? They take no. them away and it just looks like they're dramatically posing. It's amazing. <laughs> I think taking away the blue tint would uh, kind of kind of ruin it. It did. Um, okay, so I'm sorry. I'm going to get us more sidetracked, so this is great. 
Uh, we have talked in the past on this podcast about how much we hate the golden raspberries because they are, in a single word, fairly sexist um, mm. and pretty stupid. Um, well, they're just mean-spirited and spiteful. They're, they're mean-spirited, but they're usually mean-spirited against a type of, fe- like, female audience-driven movie. And oh. not, like, only females like it, but, like, movies that, you know, were sort of made with that audience in mind. Quote, I'm gonna, unquote, chick flicks. Mm. Sure. I'm going to quickly read the supporting actor nominations. Uh, Vern Troyer in Love Guru, Burt Reynolds in Deal and In the Name of the King, it got a double nomination. Ben Kingsley in The Love Guru, The Wackness, and War Incorporated got three nominations in that. Uwe Boll in Postal. And somehow the winner of all of that is Pierce Brosnan in Mamma Mia the Movie. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. How did, how did the Uwe Love Bull. Guru not sweep all of those? Would be my first question. Or Uwe Uwe Bull is the worst. Like, literally the worst at everything. There were a lot of bad movies in 2008. The Love Guru is a postmodernist masterpiece, first of all. Lynchian in its conceptualization. Secondly, (laughs) you are correct. How does Pierce Bros... Mamma Mia? Yeah. He's good in that. And, um... Like... Paris Hilton... One worst actress, worst supporting actress, and worst screen couple. Was that for the hottie so, and the naughty, or is that a different? It was for the hottie and the naughty. How did you pick that out so quickly? Um, well, ha, I may have seen that <laughs> movie years ago. Is it good? Is it another postmodernist masterpiece? Um, sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> she, she won the screen couple at actress or won the worst one for that movie. She won Supporting Actress for the Repo, the Genetic Opera movie. Oh, she did not deserve Ooh, that that's one. that's a good one. Wait, no, she did not deserve Worst Actress. She was good in Repo. Okay. I'm discovering right. that I, I haven't seen either of those movies, but it's I, I love that you guys have takes on this. Did you Re- not Repo, like Repo? Repo is a decent watch. It's not bad. It's extremely, it's like, I, I was talking about it to a friend once. It's like, if a musical met Blade Runner, met Rocky Horror Picture Show, met The Room, met it, it it's kind of nuts. <laughs> That's actually really, really accurate. I, I like that description of it, Kaylee. We, we just have like a, a, a cooking bowl and we're just putting in a l- sprinkle of Blade Runner, a sprinkle of The Room because those totally work together. Yes. It, it, but, it, uh, yeah, basically. Nice. Uh, by the way, Scott, when you're saying The Love Guru should have swept that year, it won Worst Picture, Worst Actor... Oh, uh, all right. Well, that's good, I guess. Worst screenplay, and Uwe Boll won worst director. At least, at least he did win something. Because I mean, that, that movie basically <laughs> ended Mike Myers' career. Not that like he was really doing a whole lot leading into that at that point, but yeah. Um, it kind of loops like if you guys seen Jack and Jill, it's kind of like that where it loops kind of into so just strange. It kind of loops straight back into being sure. watchable. Except Jack and Jill has kind of got rehabilitated and Love Guru has not. I, 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 I know, so uh, I'm going to bring up something that Kaylee does a lot on Twitter is running MILF and DILF polls. Um, Stop! <laughs> Stop! Uh, K- Kaylee was going hard standing for Al Pacino. I'm curious for your opinion on Al Pacino and Jack and Jill, if you bring it up. I, I, are you asking me or asking him? I'm asking you. 
Second of all, I feel very exposed. Who listens to this podcast? I do more on my Twitter than just that, first of all. Oh, no. No no one listens to this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no one. Okay. I, I think we have maybe 50 people that listen to it. Okay. We're not a, not a professionally run organization. This is just for fun. Secondly, as a member of the Al Pacino stand community on Twitter... Which does Thank exist. You know, Stan. It exists. He can it's, tell you. He, 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 it's warranted. So. Yeah, the Stan community. Um, actually, I think he's the best part of that movie. <laughs> I love, I love, I love to hear it. So. Um, I'm very he takes happy. it. You know, he's funny and he takes himself seriously and he's having a good time and. Yeah, you know. He has the energy to fit in with a sort of rambunctious you know i don't get why people are like oh my god he's so amazing in scarface and like they don't see that that kind of energy translates to like comedicness you know like thank you if you're gonna praise scarface you can praise jack and jill i hate scarface honestly um i'm what i'm in the middle of watching it right now so i cannot spoil my thoughts but like you were literally watching it before this podcast yes (laughs) oh my god (laughs) I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to put negativity on no, what you're okay. watching. It's okay. Um, but like, I totally agree. Is like, why? Why is like Scarface like some incredible performance when Jack some other weird thing he does? Like, I, I don't get it. It's real, real stupid double standards. All right, we're half an hour in. I'm gonna let us start talking about the movie itself. Scott, so. I'm sorry. You have to learn about my Twitter account. No, you're good. <laughs> I I'm love sure. your Twitter. It is. I, I'm just gonna say it's one of the best Twitters. If you can follow Kaylee, like, oh no, please totally don't at, at some point, this will probably devolve into Scott talking about his open weeaboo-ness for a good <laughs> yeah, sure. to 25 minutes. So we're all airing our stuff all, today. We're all friends here. This is we're all good. This is good. Um, I guess real quick before we get into the plot, when um. Like, what was your guys' Real quick, experience? before we get into the plot. No, 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 no. Like, this is Speed Racer related. Like, when did you guys first see it? Like, did you actually see it when it came out? Or did you see it after the fact? Or I think I... I did. I, I know it didn't see it in theaters, but I think I saw it maybe a year or two later. I remember hearing one person talk so enthusiastically about it, and I don't remember who it is. It, they had a YouTube video about it way back, back in, like, 2009, 2010, that I was like, wow, okay, sure. And I watched it and was like, yeah, they're right. Not everyone else that I've ever heard from in this movie. And um, I kind of felt like a lone wolf for a while being like, this movie's great. But having been on Letterboxd and film Twitter for a bit longer, I know. No, it's got a sizable fan base who like. We have each other. So (laughs) that's good. Because like, so in in the movie Facebook uh, group that splittered off that baseball podcast that I was telling you about, Kaylee, I ran a poll of, uh, like best American directors that were sort of like out of Gen X, so like they their movies premiered between eighty and two thousand. Mm-hmm. Their first movie premiered. Um, I would Scott and I were the only person that were voting for the Chowskis sisters, and you could pick more. So it wasn't like singularly one. I voted for mm-hmm. probably thirty people, but like I was like in the comments like why, and like someone responded to me like Speed Racer's bad, and I was like, this is where no, I give it's up. Not. No. <laughs> Um, so, like, this is how I felt for, like, most of my life. That was sort of the interaction. So I'm glad I get to have, you know, two positive, incredibly intelligent people here (laughs) to divulge the truth to the audience. Speed Racer is good. 
Scott's just shaking his head at me. <laughs> no, so I actually I actually saw it in theaters when it opened. Oh wow. Um, I'm jealous. Because I, I remember it was funny the whole experience. I tried getting some friends of mine to go with me, and like no one would go because no one wanted to see it. Um, and I remember my brother and my mom and I all went to the theaters and I think my, I think Zach and my mom went to go see, I think it was the tale of Despero. <laughs> that I don't be know. so bad. Oh, like, oh. cause my brother had no seeing speed racer and my mom had no interest in seeing it, but Zach wanted to see the tales of Despero because it had a cartoon mouse with a sword. I think it's a good it book. Um, so I went and saw it and I remember I was like, nobody was at this thing like mm -hmm. i was one of like maybe five people in the theater so but the thing was because of that i sat way towards the front and got the full effect of all the crazy like balls to the wall visuals and did your retinas ex like explode or something i mean like i probably had to get a stronger glasses prescription because <laughs> it just damaged my eyes with its absolute beauty and absurdity yeah um but i remember like really liking it and enjoying it right from the get-go and for years after the fact i was like this movie's really good and people were like wait there was a speed racer movie like no one knew that <laughs> oh. it existed and then where i actually started to figure out that it had this like cult following i think it was when i was in college there was a video i watched from belated media where he was reviewing it and he was a big fan of it, and he was talking to um, Aaron Hansen, who does Game Grumps and was originally Ego Raptor before that. And like, Speed Racer was randomly his favorite movie. Like he would, I guess he would tell people wow. at cons, like, "Yeah, Speed Racer is my favorite movie," and like people would laugh, like he's telling a joke, and he's like, "No, I actually love this movie. Like, it's really good." So that was when I first started mm -hmm. to figure out that people actually, besides me, actually liked it. So. And it was a wonderful discovery to meet you through Effectively Wild and find out there were other fans. It was fantastic. We're probably the only ones in that group. I do know Jana does like it, but I don't think she's... I don't know if she's head over heels like we are for it. Probably not. Um, at, least, at, least, like, at least she likes it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, Kaylee, you had your story about uh, yeah. having your friend show to you, yeah? Yeah, I um, was 10 when it came out, and I could, like, barely watch Wally. Oh, God. <laughs> I was... 12 so i was 16 i think oh you're yeah, old I was, I was like a sophomore <laughs> i'm not i'm not that, well yes i mean i am but like don't say that to me because dylan's regular co-hosts are like five 35 older than i am yeah oh, that's i'm 28 <laughs> will be 29 groans. you're get, you're getting close scott <laughs> i've got a lot of like salt and pepper happening hair. here so yeah anyway Look, george clooney could pull it off you could pull it off for sure that's fair but I only... angela angela digs it so that's really all that matters good so i only saw um, um speed racer in 2019 that was the first time i saw so it. fairly recent then oh and you and so you you've rewatched it in two years since then too yes um i watched it last year Excellent. by myself because i'm like did i like this because it's good or because my friends were watching it with me and it turned out because it's good uh, it, yeah of course it's great so yeah all right on to the plot um we basically start off at uh 
race does anyone remember what the track is um the track is important to the characters because rex speed racer which his name is speed racer that's just (laughs) incredible um his older brother rex like set the record for this uh track um and so there's like a significance to this race for him um Um, the wikipedia is saying it's casa cristo 5000 the Casa Cristo is the long race. I know yeah, that's race. that's the race that they go on. Okay. No. Yeah, Rex Racer was killed on Casa Cristo. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that race he set a record on. Um, and it it's sort of like Speed Racer's like breakout moment. Like he's gonna get from like the minor leagues to the major leagues. If we're talking about baseball sorts of things. Um, and I find it interesting. Okay. For one, I have listened to a lot of podcasts on Speed Racer this week, oh. and they mentioned so many points that I wanted to bring up that I feel like I'm going to be copying a little bit. But um, I think they mentioned the Blank Check episode on this, but this feels like it should be like the final race in a movie, like where he like confronts his brother's legacy and like has success, but doesn't break his brother's record, and there's a sort of family moment coming together. But this is how they open the movie, and they tell the entire story backstory all at once as the race is going on right there's a lot of back and forth and um like uh flashbacks and homages and i they do this throughout the movie where they'll have like like someone's head like do like a like their head profile like there's like a screen wipe and i love that it's so good i wrote down that this really reminded me of a lot of i mean this is gonna be this is gonna sound like the stupidest thing but it really reminds me of like the filmmaking of Carl Theodore Dreyer um, because he would always film movies where he would like shoot something on the left of someone talking and he would move to the right and it'd be like something like reacting like so like the, the story is moving left to right as the camera is moving left to right in the scene. And it's like, that's exactly how the Wachowskis are doing it. They're like wiping from one thing to another thing. And the thing that's wiping is saying something that relates back to the thing that we're wiping to. And so I don't, I really don't know if the Wachowskis meant to take something after Carl Theodore Dreyer. I feel um, like they're cinephiles. They probably did. I feel like they're cinephiles yeah. too. Um, it would make me happy in my heart that they, they did. I, I don't want to ask it. actually to. quite a lot in this movie that seems to be paying um, homage to other films or kind of sneaking in like certain shots or certain techniques that almost seem like okay, well, clearly you, 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 you're, you're thinking of this as an auteur kind of thing. Like, you're not just sure. quick and cash for kids, you know? Is there any other ones you can think of off the top of your head Off right the top now? of my head? Oh, God. Um, there's a scene where they're, um, where they're all confronting the dude who's like, here's my, here's what I actually want to do. The corporate guy. Royalton? Yeah, him. Royalton. And the way <laughs> they film it is like cutting like quick cuts uh-huh. and that reminded me a lot of kind of like um screwball comedy almost a little bit with the way they're filming it oh yeah this is a totally yeah. weird sort of comparison but like so sort of like old Cary Grant yeah. sort of stuff gotcha yeah that makes sense um yeah I don't know I love the way the Wachowskis make things um and so as he's about to break his brother's record in this scene, uh, he sort of pulls up at the last second and slows down just before he can cross the finish line so he doesn't take the record away from his brother. Um, 
and there's this great sort of family moment where everyone's like reacting he's in tears and yeah i don't know um it, it's it, it i think it really well sets up the sort of tone that we're going for which is this is a dumb silly movie where we're gonna have a lot of like emotional family sort of drama um well and they also they drop a lot of hints as to rex and what he <laughs> did and who he was involved with yeah. without actually like telling us straight up at that point what happened and where he is now yeah there's the I thought was fairly clever narrative structuring on their part yeah they do the flashback to where john goodman is like if you walk out that door you're not right where he's yeah tell him to leave it's like the door is closed on you forever because he's like joining whatever um sponsor like, i think yeah is what, is what it yeah. was um or there's the part where um they get like a bomb in the mail yes yeah and you at first you're like why are they getting bomb threats onto their house and it's like oh it's because like he stopped racing according to what the sponsors were trying to fix it to be and so they're trying to kill him for it mm. um I, I yeah i just love the way that they're setting up all these things i love the uh little guy that plays young speed racer he's he's such a dope he's so cute <laughs> it was it was well done um the one point and we'll go into this a little bit more when we talk about ebert's thoughts but one of the few things that i agreed with him on in his uh quotes or essay on this was where he talked about the kid like just being the embodiment of ocd which <laughs> he absolutely was i thought in a good way though like, yeah same bother me but yeah no it was just you know he's sitting there tapping his foot constantly rubbing his eraser on the paper like it's you know trying to mimic the engine of a car that was totally me at that <laughs> age <laughs> And I, I really like the part where he, like, he's, like, imagining himself crossing the finish line at a big race, and he's, like, slow motion, like, cheering and moving his head, like, <sighs> and Trick, uh, Kid, or the uh, the young version of Trixie, like, turns around and does one of these, and is just kind of, like, <laughs> looking at him, like, the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> no, I mean, he, she looks but at no, him, but like, she oh, likes weird, it, though, but she's, like, she goes and talks to he's him a cutie. And, like, I like, love that, that she's... Together. Yeah. They're they're not like oh, look at this idiot, but then they fall in yeah. love later. It's like, no, she likes like, the energy has. He's like, can I show you my toy car? She's like, yeah, I'd love to see them. Like, it's just it's cute. It's it's, <laughs> it's very wonderful. Yeah. I, I I actually do have bad news for you guys. I realized this three minutes before we started recording. This Ebert is not this Ebert essay is not Ebert. Oh, really? It's one of his like website minions that wrote it. For oh, one him. of his his shadow Eberts. Yeah, it's uh, okay. actually by Jim Emerson. So I don't know. We can't attribute these uh, okay. this essay directly to him. Um, I did see that Roper really liked this movie, and that was who Ebert's co-host was on that uh, on their show back then at the time of that this movie came out. Um, so mm. that's good. Okay. Um, I, also, I also did notice that, like, I think out of like the fifteen women critics, only one gave it a positive review from the top critic list. Hmm. Um, hmm. So that was a little bit surprising. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I did. You notice that um, young Trixie though is played by the middle sister in Modern Family, Ariel Winters. I did not notice that. No. Do either of you guys watch Modern Family? No. <laughs> I've seen I, I've seen bits and pieces of it here and there. Yeah, same here. Like, sat down and watched it. 
not a big fan, but it's fine. Like what if it's on? Um, but who I was like, plays um, the kid who's Spritel? <laughs> I don't know this guy. It's because um... he's been in other stuff. Like I recognize the kid. Holly Lit. Huh. Where have I seen him before? He was in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. Um, I am struggling to picture him. He's labeled as young bully. <laughs> Thank you for that noise, Kaylee. That's how <laughs> Sorry. I Sorry. He's also in Doubt, which I think I kind of remember him in Doubt as one of the kids that... Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman has a relationship with. Um, weird movie. But that's it. And I don't know if he had any TV stuff. That's all he has a letterbox. It's Eternal Sunshine, Speed Racer, Doubt, and then Sex Guaranteed and Here Comes Rusty, which I haven't So the funny thing, I just looked him up, and like every like red carpet photo of him, he's he going like this. Like every photo, like from when he's like a kid, doing the finger guns. To like, to like now, like there's recent photos of him because he's like, I don't know, he's like in, he's like a, I think he's, I think he's about the same age as you, Dylan. He's like 25 or 26 now. Um, uh, he's older than me. That's <laughs> weird to think about. I I respect the uh, finger gun, uh, the the commitment. That's funny. I know. Go for it, man. Like you do you. Um, oh, okay, so there, I actually have, I keep on getting us distracted, but I have this thing on Letterboxd where you can see the people that you follow, what, like, their rating scale is, like, um, you know how there's, like, the histogram of, like, the ratings, like, of yeah. everyone? You can do one for your friends, and the most common rating I have of the people I follow is a 5 out of 5. <laughs> nice. Now, there, there's also quite a lot of poor reviews. The average score between all the people I follow is 3.9, but the mode is 5 out of 5, so I do follow the right people, I think. You do. Clearly. Um, um, one comment that I want to make that I actually made a note of that I thought was funny, I did it with a couple lines. Um, when he gets ready, when he leaves the classroom mm-hmm. and he's, like, running out, and then the teacher yells, speed racers, slow down. Like, that's just... Like sounds they like... knew what they were doing there, right? Like... Yeah, it, it sounds like it came out of a 1960s anime cartoon, which I, I wonder why it sounds like that. You know, why why would it sound like that? Well, I was actually, the one thing that I was kind of disappointed in was that we didn't have more, oh, or like the prolonged <laughs> stares or gasps or, you know. Well, it feels, the setting feels very 50s, 60s. Yes. Yeah, it feels like a future retro yeah. setting, like kind of like what they did in uh, the uh, The Incredibles was kind of like that. Yes. What was like a yeah. future retro, like the 60s, but like the future as imagined by someone who was living in the 60s at the time. Yes. Yeah. Like how um, cyberpunk is the future from the 80s. Ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he wins the race. Um what happens next, really? I, 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 they mainly seem to... Oh, the next thing is uh, Royalton drops by um, for a visit during family breakfast. I love this um, dude. I love how over the top he is and, like, sleazy so, and terrible. I love him. So I don't think... And I'm not 100% sure on this. He's not based on, on an actual 
character from the anime, right? Like they made. You are the probably the only person that's going to be able to answer any of those <laughs> kinds of questions. Scott. Yeah, I didn't even I'm know like... this was based on the anime for like the longest time. So <laughs> oh, same here, same God. here. I'm gonna have to like dig myself. I actually watched Speed Racer on cable, like, <laughs> like twenty five years ago, probably. Oh. Don't mind me. I'm just gonna, you know, go outside and dig my grave outside my apartment here. <laughs> Back but, in like but, the 1800s, um, you were yeah. here for like talk, like like black and white silence. You know. Yeah, you, you remember it all, Scott. Uh, this must be how Nick and Jana feel all the time. <laughs> all the time. When I said I did, didn't know who David Duchovny was on the last episode, I could feel like just a piece of Jana's soul just like die. <laughs> That was that was that was bad. <laughs> I said I recognized him as the X Files guy. I didn't know that what his name dude. Was. Yeah, the X Files guy. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm with Jan on that one. But anyway, um, yeah, I feel like Royalton is something of an amalgamation of some of the over-the-top villain because they did have characters that were like him in Speed Racer, yeah. but he wasn't like an actual character in the show. Um, mm -hmm. I do think some of his the way his dialogue was delivered and I don't know if the actor did this subconsciously where he just kind of went into this like you know rapid fire delivery was maybe an, or at least I like to think of it as it was something of an homage or an artistic choice to mimic the really bad English dubs that they were doing in the 60s at the time because that was the thing Speed Racer came to be known for in popular culture was how atrocious the English dub of it was. Like, if you go on YouTube Got now, it. you can find clips of, like, you know, out-of-context Speed Racer dub moments that just are absurd. Sure. How poorly I, it was done. I don't know if it's that. It could be. Um, but actually, he's a trained, like, stage actor from, like, England. And I can really get that vibe of, like, how he's delivering his lines. Yeah. Like, he's having to be on stage and, you know to the back very over the top very uh uh what is it uh, raul julia-esque mm -hmm. yeah i i think he's perfectly cast for this role yeah yes. no he does really well actually that's a really and good comparison really... uh raul yeah that's a good one and yeah. also he is a scumbag like in <laughs> oh, the, he's like the, in the best kind of way like the over the top oh, great. you know mustache twirling saturday morning cartoon tv villain like he is a piece of shit and he oh, loves yeah. it. He's a piece of shit. I, I think, okay, I really think the writing in this is great. One of the best ways they set up how much of a capitalist piece of shit this dude is, is he comes in for family breakfast. They invite him in. He sits down to have pancakes. And his first reaction is, is wow, we can brand and sell these as part of our corporate line. And the mom's like, thanks. You know what? I, I... <laughs> yeah. And, like, they kind of address this in the review, so maybe we'll go over this later. But you know what? He is a good critique of consumerism. and He's the... a really good critique mm -hmm. of consumerism. The Ebert Someone reviewer who them, said he like, was not nice... could shove it. No, he could not. Well, like... that... The scene where he comes in and, like, is eating pancakes at their table, like, I don't think that's how normal humans eat pancakes typically like just the whole way he presents himself is so over the top and weird also yeah. can we take a moment to talk about because i think this is i have a note here i think it happens right 
it, it happens either after the breakfast scene before they go to do Royalton Racing, or it's like right before it, where it shows Spritel and Chim Chim watching. By the way, there's characters in this movie named Spritel and Chim Chim, and Chim yeah, Chim. Yeah, Spritel is, is the younger brothers. Chim Chim's a chimpanzee. And yeah, Chim Chim is a chimpanzee, like, which they they were characters in the original show. Like they would actually, and they they spoof on it a couple times. They would ride in the trunk of Speed's car while he was racing, because anime logic. Um, yeah, though in actuality they would be dead. Well, but... yes, but. <laughs> but they they show them they're like watching it's supposed to be like i don't know what the hell it's based on it looks oh, like it's right. a crossover between like fist of the north star and i don't know some other random you know name you're shown in um i don't know like, what any of these they, words mean scott they get into this fight like it's just like super over top and ridiculous they become like, like part of the anime game that they're watching yeah, the the characters in the show and like it it, it like kind of comes out of nowhere and it's really random but it's what, really fun what i think it really does well though is like these characters are acting like they're in some sort of silly anime but they are in what is effectively a live action silly anime yes and it's like they represent this like childhood feeling of like let's like fight in like anime styles and it's like that's mm -hmm. what this movie is supposed to be I think it adds a nice sort of layer behind what, what we're watching. Um, but yeah, also, so... before we get too deep into it, Pop, or uh, John Goodman as Pops is inspired casting. Oh, yeah. For like, sure. That was excellent. And I think Susan Sarandon, his mom, is really good. Yes, she's fantastic. Talking she's about Milf and Dilf. Oh, yeah. People were mad she's she only got 25 on my poll. Anyway. <laughs> That's low. Oh my god. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're both really well cast for their parts, and I think they do a fantastic job with what they're given. Especially Goodman. I think Goodman gets more to more to do in the movie than uh, Susan Sarandon does because it's yes. it's he he sort of runs the the small independent company that you know Speed is writing for and is supposed to be challenging Royalton, mm -hmm. but. Um, yeah, both of them do great with what they're supposed to be doing. Um, yeah, so uh, Royalton uh, sort of takes them to his like facility and shows them just like, oh, we're super high tech. Like he's trying to buy speed, basically. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. He's like, we're the only option for you. Um, and basically, speed's like, I'm gonna have to think about it. Uh, speed then goes to this like lookout point with Trixie. Oh, that's one of my favorite scenes, actually. Yes. It's really good and it, like, sets up, like, one of the best jokes later in the movie at the very end. Yeah, they have, but... like, multiple uh, fake-out kisses. <laughs> um, they're about to sort of, like, kiss and then yeah. they start hearing, like, this commotion in, in, in the trunk of the car. Yeah. And it's right the... <laughs> <laughs> It's so well done. They don't have their cooties shot, so they can't be a part of a scene with kissing in it. <laughs> um, and uh, the, what they were about to kiss to was um, Speed was about to tell Trixie that, like, if I win this big race, like, I'm going to dip you in front of the audience and kiss you in front of the cameras. Um, I wanted to mention that because it comes up later. There's payoff. Yeah. Um, and the final line in the scene is Sprite will just say, like, Hey, can we get ice cream? 
And I love just how much like Spritel's just like, let's get some sweets every time. When the when the um on the Royalton airplane where that like Yeah. Uh, that's like a recurring that's like a, almost like a B plot where he and Chim Chim like sneak back in later to get candy. Which that's actually like they did shit like that in the original show. Like that they were really has to sneaking be. around and like were trying to do stuff because they were like a kid and a monkey, I don't know. <laughs> But, you know what else yeah. do kid, kids and monkeys but it was like kinda... sneak around, steal candy, you know, normal things. That's right in the back of, you know, really, really, really fast futuristic toys, cars, NBD. And that scene kind of epitomizes to me um, two things. We're talking about how it's sort of combining sort of 1950s, 1960s with future, and you kind of see that the setting they're in is futuristic, but they're in the car about the kiss, like classic sort of like 50s kind of like meet cute not meet cute but 50s kind of like you're in the car and you're with your boyfriend and uh and then also kind of the family sort of sweet elements uh, kind of playing yeah. along with like the funny um and how they kind of balance the emotions with everything else yeah it's it's really well balanced and um it somehow is able to stay balanced in the next scene where if we're, if we're bringing up their uh, hijinks to go in and, and steal a bunch of candy from the Royalton airplane the cross-cutting between that scene is yeah. also with the scene where Speed Racer learns that everything is a hoax and nothing is real and everything is fixed and racing doesn't matter. All that matters is money. Right. And then they'll cut back and they're like on a sugar high, like doing guitar riffs on a car going through Royalton Industries. It's like, I don't know why this works, but... I can't remember I can't remember the song that they play during that, but I remember it was the same song they used during the church fight scene in Kingsman. And God, really? Yeah. And I couldn't I couldn't disassociate that from that song. So because of that I watched that and that's immediately where my mind went. And I'm like and I really like that movie. Um, but the I feel like they used that song and that scene better than Speed Racer did here. So that scene was kind of a letdown for me a little bit because I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, well, this works better here. But, I mean, it's small nitpick. I'm going to completely disagree with you, but... Not a fan of Kingsman. Yeah. But, uh, that's fair. That That's, that's a no. That's okay. Yeah. Moving on. I wouldn't say it's entirely no, but it's also it, definitely it not a It feels like not a Dylan kind of movie, which I think is the biggest issue. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Not everything else. Movie, movies can be made for other people besides just me. Like, that's, that's okay, fine. I'm glad that I have your stamp of approval. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Kaylee, do you have any thoughts on Kingsman before we move on? Oh, Kingsman. Um... It's fun, but kind of has a little bit of a nasty undertone to it. But, you know, that's a topic for another day. Just in yeah. the way it treats violence and its characters. But, you know, I enjoy it in the moment. That's fair. Um, I think the scene where Royalton is revealing this sort of, like, conspiracy to Speed Racer mm -hmm. is actually really good. It's one yes. of the better scenes in the movie. It's very well done. Mm -hmm. um, something I, I noticed, too going into 
Where's this note here? My notes are so sporadic that I have. Um, when they go to, I think it's actually after the scene with Speed and Trixie, they cut back to Royalton, and it shows uh -huh. him talking to, um, not, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, the, the Japanese businessman. Yeah, the one that it's or, like or I know Taisho is the racer. Yeah, you know, um, maybe it was one of his henchmen. I can't remember, but he's talking to some guy about all the evil shit they're up to, basically. Yeah, and they really contrasted, um, like the color palette that they shot that scene in versus the color palette that the scene with Speed and Trixie was versus a color palette from the previous. Scene. Like it was this. Like clearly, each palette is setting up a different mood. Yeah, and that, that's one of the biggest things for me with this movie is the way they use color, and yeah, and like the Ebert essay really brings this up well. Is it hates that it does that? It doesn't like it, but it's like no. it does it really well. That the yellow, blue, and red the primary colors are mm -hmm. the primary colors of the family, the primary protagonists, and anytime you go into a sort of tertiary color, especially purple, it's like. Something's evil. not exactly yeah. right here. Evil, mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. Um, no, I I like that honestly. Um, I don't know if it's just. I think it might just be like my art brain appreciating what they're doing. Um, I know that just the way they use colors throughout the film, and it might just be, and this goes back into some of the stuff we talked about earlier with the directions a lot of filming went after two thousand eight, after that summer, like so many movies just like don't have bright colors in them anymore yeah. like at all that's i think on iron man and dark knight as well yep yeah no you're right like well neither of them do anything Marvel interesting has a with the color, color palette, palette than, than, than dc does uh -huh. i think but it definitely varies from film to film and some do not but i just i really appreciate just like the fact that most of speed racer looks like somebody barfed up a bag of like rainbow dipping dots like it's it's just it's so bright and pretty what, what were you saying about that kaylee yeah i'm sorry kaylee oh no i i feel like i keep interrupting you guys sorry no i feel like we're Go interrupting ahead. you i want to make sure you get a talk oh uh, i was just saying that i feel like the color palette used in a lot of the mcu movies and also a lot of the dc movies just isn't that interesting it's either desaturated or um just not like you know, like the sort of like ones very are talking. muted. Yeah, very muted, and you're not using like colors as sort of either an interesting visual or sort of symbolism of storytelling technique. And I feel like you used to see that more often, even with blockbusters, uh, prior to the MCU and kind of dominating. And that makes me sad. Yeah, you you look at something like the Raimi Spider Man's or, yes. and it's like. This is style and color as a filmic language, the same way Speed Racer is. Or but, even but like Pirates not, of the Caribbean, you know. Pirates is a really good other example of that. Um, but then you go to something that's not even MCU. It's something that's supposed to like mock MCU, which is Deadpool. Yes. And Deadpool, it looks awful. And Deadpool like, is lots of reds, lots of blacks, lots. Yeah, of... but the but the Deadpool movies, almost every like shot I can picture from Deadpool kind of just a bunch of gray like yeah there is a, like you have you have the characters and they're bright 
superhero costume colors, but then you have lots of... And part of that is just the nature of where they were shooting, because I feel like a lot of Deadpool takes place, like, amongst rubble. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like... but there you could film rubble in, like, interesting Make it ways. Make just... shit? No, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's... um. It's just, and it's really refreshing to see a movie like this. It's like, we're not going to just like leave this aspect of filmic language on the wayside because it would mess up the sort of visual continuity of all these movies that we have to have in a series or something. Or, you know, it, and Deadpool's way of just be like, that doesn't matter. All that matters is sort of the Deadpool equips. But unlike the Deadpool comics that are like really nice look you did fun it just kind of looks like well but um yeah so where was i in my notes um oh Oh, you got notes dang i always take notes um so yeah so there's this royalty scene where he's like talking about the fixings um i love the way he goes from like the point where he thinks speed racer is gonna sign and he's still pretty nice he's pretty like inviting and he just goes to being like the sickest person alive yeah he turns um, it up to 11 real fast yeah does anyone want to try to um do uh if you want to be a real race car driver then sign that contract in a royalty voice does anyone want to do an impersonation um <laughs> you want to try Scott? i might be able to pull it off maybe what what's the line dylan do you want to be a real race car driver then sign that contract <laughs> See if I can get the correct tone and the accent down. <laughs> Might be a bit rough. You need to do the finger point when he points to the contracts as well. It's iconic. <laughs> the character. <clears throat> Jim Carrey face stretch. Yeah. <clears throat> if you want to be a real race car driver. I don't know what that was. <laughs> then sign that contract. I always try to get Janet to do impersonations on the contract. I always try to get Janet to do impersonations. She always yells at me. I'm very glad I got one one person ever to try to do an impersonation on this podcast. Oh, Lord. Um, it was wonderful. Um, and then it goes and, from that. It's interesting no, what they do. He starts describing yes what is going to happen to speed and it actually shows what happens to him in this next race he goes to but then it like cuts back to him finishing his explanation and then it goes back to after that race yeah it's it's completely unlinear yeah um where in that scene all he's doing is telling speed racer what's going to happen and then it goes to it literally did happen and so when speed racer reacts in the next scene like oh crap, I lost the race, I got spearhooked, there's a lawyer coming to serve my family for, like, copyright or something. Mm-hmm. It really reminds me of, like, the sort of editing choices that, like, Archers or Ozu or Scorsese would use, where it's like, we're gonna do this elliptical filming where you got what you needed to know, we don't need to actually completely show you that thing. What's more important is going to the reaction of what happens afterward. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think part of what made that sequence work so well is Royalton goes into about how, you know, everything is fake, everyone cheats, and then you see this race where everyone actually is cheating. Like, you have yep. the guys using spear hooks, you have people, you know, all sorts of other gadgets and crap coming off of people's cars, like, it's... <laughs> which, by the way, 
that was the thing that they took right out of the anime. Like, yeah. the cars really did have, like, buzz saws coming out of the front, <laughs> the, you know, the ski lifts that would pop it in the air and make it flip over. And, like, Love that it. Was, yeah, all, all stuff that they took right out of the show, and it was very well done. Mm-hmm. Also, I have, a, I have a note here, too. Um, I was watching this with Angela for part of the night last night. And in one of the parts in that race where one of the cars just, like, exploded into a million pieces or, like, someone got pushed off the track, she's just like, I think somebody died. <laughs> like, but it's funny, though, because there's, cause in that particular scene, I don't think they did it, but there's other points in the movie where they made explicit, like, care to show, like, people not dying. Like, oh, hey, the that bubble guy, ejection you know, suits. Yeah, he, they either had the bubble ejection, or there were a couple scenes I remember from later in the movie where they showed guys, like, jumping out in parachutes, which mm-hmm. I thought was a nice touch for, you know, trying to make a family movie where you're not showing anything too yeah. terribly dark or violent. And I think it also works to the fact that. It's crazy when Rex dies because, like, we see yes. a bunch of crashes, but like when they say no like one this is one of the died. worst crashes we've yeah. ever seen, it like mm-hmm. makes the impact of like, oh wow, Rex actually died on yeah. this. More it, it hammers home how screwed that whole situation was. Yes, this actually um, might bring be a good time to bring up. So my friend's boyfriend was really into okay. NASCAR driving, and they film when they drive. So when they die. <laughs> It's all on film, and it's public. Oh, yeah. So he showed me one, and I was like, why are you showing this to me? He's like, look, look. And so I find it very oh interesting. God. Yeah, so I got to see someone. I didn't actually see them, but I got to see the car. Well, the thing is, if you, because, like, if you go online, you can look up stuff. Like, if you look up, like, Dale Earnhardt, you know, mm-hmm. crash, death, or whatever, like, it, you can find. And a lot of times, like, you don't, because, like, I think if they had actual footage of, you know, people's you know, remains or whatever. Like, obviously that's not going to end up on the internet. But a lot of the footage they have, like, you don't see people. Like, you just see, like, the cars get mangled. Yeah. Or, like, some of the crashes aren't even that, you know, quote-unquote bad-looking upon impact. But you just see something crashing to the side of the wall, and it's like, oh, someone died in that. That's fucked up. Yeah. And that's just kind of... Yeah, and it's interesting in Speed Racer because we think of, I think, car racing as such this sort of, like, for kids kind of thing, but it's also an extremely dangerous sport. So there's kind of this inherent tension in the movie itself between really quite this dangerous thing they're showing, but they're also trying to make it family-friendly, and I think it gives it a certain amount of edge, almost, to the movie that Mm -hmm. maybe other family movies wouldn't have. For sure. Um... Yeah, actually, I have completely missed a side tangent story as we've gone through this, which is there are these really terrible hitman gangsters that have captured oh, yeah. one of the racers named Tejon, played by K-pop star Rain. I don't oh. know who this is. I, I don't I've heard his K-pop. breath smells bad. That's about my limit of knowledge about him. How do you know that? I'm, I, I'm into some K-pop stuff. <laughs> Who told you that, though? It was on Twitter. K-pop I don't know stands, if it's true. I, I know. Other I guess... Stands. That's fascinating. That's well, and I'm, I'm glad you bring up that scene as well, Dylan, because that's where we get our first taste of Racer Rex. Racer X, yeah. So Tayshaun's going to get his hand literally fed to piranhas <laughs> in this truck 
where the tr- when the truck is suddenly ambushed by one of the racers from these race car drivers and his name is racer x and wow. he shoots an x into the back of the car amazing love subtle. it subtle um yeah very subtle yeah. like you know complete completely hiding his identity um what do they call him the harbinger of boom i think that's his nickname <laughs> which is hilarious i love it love well, it and i want to i want to talk about when we get more towards the end with you know the revelations that you get about racer x i want to talk about what they did with his backstory in this movie versus what they did with the original anime because Mm -hmm. the stuff they did with rex i think is one of the best things that this movie did as far as translating something from the anime that was you know a bit of a like a like a gag or a recurring trope that they really like made work so much better than what was originally in those movies or in the mm-hmm. TV show. But anyway, we'll save that for later. Okay. Um, yeah, and he saves his Tejon guy because Tejon has like information that he can incriminate the people that are fixing these races and stuff. Th- this whole this section of the week gets a little convoluted. And yes, I little is under exaggerating it. <laughs> Very yeah, convoluted. I felt that the first act overall is kind of a little muddled in some ways. Like there's like there's there's individual scenes that I really like from the first act, but its overall structuring is really kind of messy. Yeah. You know, for lack of a better word. But I don't mind it as much because the last two acts, the final act in particular The final like, act, yeah. Like the like the final like the last like forty minutes of the movie is really, really strong. And I think that makes up for a lot of uh, issues I had with the first act. I don't know. I guess in that way, it's kind of similar to Rogue One, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, the yeah, convolutedness. So gets... Now, granted, I'm not an expert, but it feels very anime-ish. Um, it, it it does. You're kind not of... wrong. That's yes. <laughs> like all the subplots that, usually, and the assassins. And... Yeah, the the convoluted plot structure a lot of times is, it's the rule, not the exception with anime. Yeah. So yes, that is correct. Um, yeah. So there's basically this thing where Racer X, Tejon, and then someone called. This is probably my favorite name in the whole movie. Inspector Detector. Um. <laughs> Inspector Detector, I'm not 100% sure if he... I, I, I think based... I would guess based on the goofiness of the name that he was a character they took. I, I, I heard he was from the comics. Yeah. From the, the anime. From yeah. the anime, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, so I, so I think ultimately the final character count, it's Speed and all of his family, like Spridal, Chim Chim, Pops, Mom... And Trixie, and uh, Trixie's not technically part of. His oh, family. I hope she's not. Part well, of well his no, family. she's not part of his family. But, like, you know what I mean. That's the family uh, unit. And then yes, and then Rex and Racer X and Inspector Detector. So I think those eight characters are all from the show, and then everyone else they came up with, or they were based on existing characters, sure. but or like you know, amalgamations of multiple characters. Yeah. But they weren't actual characters from the show. I think is how they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, so th they're kind of trying to stop the sort of match fixing that's going on in these mm -hmm. underground mafia uh, underbelly. Yes, that's, that rules the the racing world. Um, it's great, fantastic stuff. Uh, and one of the ways they do this is they decide they're going to try to get into the Grand Prix, but the only way they can do it is by racing this Casa Cristo race. Uh. Mm -hmm. And that's this, like, uh, very long, very arduous, very dirty race. From that, It says it spans two continents, and I was like... Okay, sure I really, it does. I very much want to know the continents in this reality. Um, the only thing I could picture was, like, uh, Asia to... Um, Europe. Europe. Definitely wasn't Asia to Europe what they were showing. But yeah. that's fine. I don't need to understand it all i need to do is have fun, fun. that's the point the speed racer universe um, map yeah yes that'd be fun but um yeah so they they, they enter into casa cristo this is this three team they have a three car team uh which is tejan racer x and uh speed well and the big the big thing was pops didn't yes. want speed doing this because this was the race that rex was purportedly killed in but well, Yes, we'll, we'll I, talk more about that later. But what, one of the podcasts I listened to, the one of the people was like a big fan of the show, and they said like every time they showed Racer X, there would be a joke like, "Unbeknownst to Speed, this was his older brother Rex Racer." Yeah, they literally had a narration that played over yeah. the show, and again, we'll I want to touch more on that when we get to the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to talk about Racer X as a character, but yeah, that that plays into that whole conversation i want to have but yeah, yeah it was like when i when i said it was a recurring gag it literally was a recurring gag that every episode all 50 of them because there's 50 <laughs> of them did that but anyway continue yeah so uh they enter into this race and uh like you said this is where rex died so the way that um speed is able to get into is he pretends like he's going to go skiing with trixie um, but he's actually going to this race. However, they get found out because Spritel is trying to watch the race on the television yes. and Pops walks in at the wrong moment. They're like, oh, it's speed. Well, and the, the funny thing is this, this first leg of the race that they do where they're like racing through like the desert or whatever it was, yeah. I guess. It's the only part of the movie where he actually has his like, costume or outfit from the show where he's yes. got the blue racing shirt with the neckerchief and the yellow gloves because every other scene beyond that he's got the full jacket and like the matching boots and stuff because in the in the original show it, it, it was such a like 60s you know time capsule he's got like bell bottoms and like pointed shoes with <laughs> you know the neckerchief the ascot basically and then the big racing helmet with the goggles on it, which they did keep. But yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, so they get through the desert. Um, this scene is awesome. There's, this is like Mad Max 2 or Fury Road sort of stuff of like people are throwing honeybee hives into yeah. other cars. Um, other people are launching themselves in the air and using themselves as like spears. Battering to, rams, yeah. And there's one part where one of the battering ram spear cars is going to fall towards uh racer x 
and right then Speed Racer does a jump twist and just punches the other driver midair in that car. Or no, it's it's Rex who punches him. Rex like actually stands oh, up. Oh, I thought it was like, Sucker punches him. Yeah, hilarious. This is this is great stuff. This is the stuff of legends. Yes. Why? And no one liked this. <laughs> well, and the best part of that scene is they actually have like a punch sound effect too. Yes. Like, you hear him like, yeah, it's like, like you hear him like pop him, and then the car goes like flying. <laughs> You know, all right. That's that's how that would work with normal. Oh, it's amazing. And gravity. Yeah, no, it's so good. Um, so they get to the um, the, the it's like this like halfway stop point in the city after the desert. Um, this is one of my other favorite scenes of movies is uh, when he and Trixie are in the hotel room and they get like a, a notice by one of like the hotel people that like there's someone there to see him and they just turn the corner and like the entire family's there. And this is the only part of the movie that has like real familial conflict outside of race. Mm-hmm. Right. Where there's actually like this sort of like, how dare you like go against the family? But I like how they both sort of understand each other pretty quickly with like this really good method of communication. Yes. And they're like, yeah, fine. Like you're already here. Yeah. The mom uh, calms him down. And then, you know, the, the dad's like, okay, you know, pops is like, well, I'll go, you know, let me go work on your car then. Like, yeah. You know, oh, everyone so else good. is cheating. Let me help you cheat too. <laughs> well, no, um, he's, he he does it because he's like all the modifications they added to help you. Yes, they're that's like, what it was. They're like ruining like the the stability of their car a little bit. Right, like the car's unbalanced. Like I think he says it like yeah. it like leans to the left or something. Yeah, and I love like that's his job is to make the car more balanced than mm. you know supposedly so be you know, like all high tech and fancy. So then we so then we cut to nighttime. <laughs> and we get to the first of two fantastic racer family fight scenes. Yes. This this whole sequence was just so ridiculous and over the top. And I I love how Rex like makes a point of covering his face with like a kerchief and fights. And also I don't know who the actor playing him was in this, but and I don't know if they you weren't a Lost fan then. No, I was not. Thank God. <laughs> no, never. His name is Matthew Fox. I've never watched Lost, but like that's where I guess he's famous from. A- a- Angela wasted like a lot of her childhood and teenage years watching Lost, and she complains to me about it a lot of the time. So that's that's my relationship to Lost. That's fair. But uh, uh, Kaylee, is there anything you know Matthew Fox from? Um, Lost. Uh. Other than okay. that, uh, I, my mom had a crush on him. Um, other than that, no. Yeah. Okay. So when you're saying he's covering his face, I don't know why he ever wears a mask in this movie because it's not doesn't look like Rex. So right. Like, yeah, he doesn't look like him. Yeah. So it's it's weird, but it's extra precaution. But the, so so the fight yes, choreography of that first part between the you know ninja i guess and rex is actually like pretty well done mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm like nick i watch a lot of kung fu martial arts mm-hmm. crap both old and new so i you know can kind of get a feel for if someone actually knows what they're doing with fight choreography um but it was it was fairly well done in that first scene and then it goes into just full over the top 
ridiculousness territory in the best way. Yes. And as further established by later scenes in this movie, everyone in this movie, I guess, knows how to both, like, use kung fu and drive a car really yeah. well, I guess. Yes. Except for Speed's dad, I, but he... I wish no, I lived no, in this like universe. A, a wrestler. Same. Like, this would be very helpful. Yeah. Yes. Um, actually, there's one person that can't, and it's Sparky. Sparky, every time they fight, is always yes, in the background. Yes, no, Sparky, like, yes. <laughs> Sparky's like a wimp. Yeah. That would be me. Same, honestly. I, I really love, um, I don't, the fight scenes. What One thing I love about the way they choreograph them is that um, it's kind of like, um, like you said, they know what they're doing, at least in the first one, in regards to how you make a physical space look kind of interesting, as opposed to two people mm-hmm. just kind of right. slugging it out. And they choreograph it well. And when it go, even when it goes over the top, it's still done in a kind of very dynamic way that it holds your interest. Right. Uh, so I did, I did want to say that about the fight scenes. Yeah, well, and I and... really like Goodman's whole sequence in that, where like he goes like full like you know cartoon anime dad, and is like yes. you know spinning them. You know he's like, "You dare attack my family." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And he, there's one part where he's got oh like God, a headlock so and it zooms in on this like professional boxing he's got like a com- Roman yeah, Greco like, ring. It, it's it's a college, it, like I, I think it's supposed to be like either a high school or college ring, and then the insignia around it has that he was a wrestler, so he knows what he's doing, so he can throw down. Also, so he knows how to flip someone like a pizza around his head. Yes, and I also really appreciate how they have the ninja running around in just his boxer shorts for like a solid 30 seconds just to fully play out the gag. Um, yeah. Also, one of the best lines... This is the line you always movie. quote to me. Yeah. yeah. More like a ninja. <laughs> yeah, so he throws the ninja out of a window, and I think it's tricks. It's like, is that a ninja? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> response with, like, more like, more a, like ninja. a ninja. Ninja. Well, and it's, it's such a good line just because, A, it's absurd. Yes. B, it implies that Pops has encountered other ninjas before and therefore <laughs> is qualified to know what makes a good ninja. So, not sure what that says about Pops or his backstory or background, but just the whole thing was just lovely and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, after this ridiculous fight, they, they uh, realize that Tejan has been poisoned, but not, like, to kill him, it's, like, to disorient him. So to keep him from racing. So he yeah. can't drive the next day. So the next day when the race comes, um, it there's this, like, little switcheroo they do where Trixie's driving Tejan's car. Tejan is dressed up like his sister. Which was I, a very funny reveal. I liked that moment. The yeah, sister is here. dressed yeah. up like Trixie right, she's flying the helicopter. helicopter. Which also that was in the anime. Trixie would fly a helicopter around, so that was that was a thing they used too. Mm-hmm. But um, and uh, the, when they showed Trixie, like I, I watched it with a couple of my friends, and um, one of them was like, "Wait, how does Trixie know how to drive?" And I was and like, "This goes back to what I was just saying." Because then it plays into the next scene when they get to the next fight scene. But everyone in this movie can drive a car yes. and knows Kung Fu. It's just, 
I want to live you... there. So bad. Yeah. Well, I want to live in those mountains. It looks amazing. Like this, the yeah. landscape that they're fighting on this like rocky cliff with like s- snow all around them. It's okay. Awesome. So, so the second the they get to this, uh, there's like a, a stop in the course where they're because I guess at this point Tejan is feeling better. So they yeah. swap him and Trixie back out. But while they're all stopped, a bunch of Royalton's goons show up. So then we get to fight scene number two, which is my favorite scene in the whole movie. Just the okay. way, the way this is done is so silly, but it's so great. good in how it pays homage to ridiculous like anime fight scenes. And one of my favorite things that they do that I've never seen done in a, in another movie is they accurately show the anime like speed lines when characters are moving but how they do this is it's snowing so the snowflakes are the speed lines yes and like the way they it's it's beautiful I, i i love it it's so dumb but it's so good there's like pop throwing people and then chim chim has a wrench he's literally a monkey with a wrench hitting people on the head it's just mm-hmm. it's great it's so and good then just, and then like you know so clearly they showed him the first scene speed knows how to fight but he fights even more in this one Tejan is like doing some hardcore like like really fancy like kung fu footwork yeah trixie apparently knows how to fight too <laughs> yeah yeah to drive a car they did at least set that up when Trixie just like beat the crap out of that bully that was bullying. Yes, you know, you're right. They did set that up at the beginning during the flashback scene. But yeah, Great it's, scene. It's, and I love how they end it where like everyone picks up a gun and they're just all pointing guns at the one henchman who's like completely outnumbered now because they've knocked out everyone else. <laughs> it's just it's so ridiculous and stupid and good, and I love it. Yeah. And also, um, yeah, they show um, that Sparky, like, can't fight at all in this. Because I, I, I can't remember. I think someone else, like, knocks out a henchman by him. And then he just, like, puts his hands up and starts yelling and, like, rubs off screen. It's, it's so good. Um, so they continue on the race after they defeated the goons. They're now behind the people that they're basically are their rivals in this race, which are, like, the snake oilers or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they enter the ice caves where Rex died, and um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like back Tension, and forth because you don't know what's going to happen. And then Speed clearly is thinking about that this is where Rex was killed as well. So, in scare quotes, because yes. unbeknownst to him, unbeknownst to Speed, no. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's one part where like the uh, snake oil guy uh, knocks uh, Speed literally off a mountain and speed like latches onto the snow and drives straight up the other side of the mountain great stuff so good um i think snake oil is the one that gets ejected into a parachute when he falls off the mountain yes that's right yeah he falls off the mountain and you clearly see him in a parachute Mm -hmm. um they win the race and basically at this point it's like Tejan is supposed to now go compete at uh, the Casa the Casa the, the Grand Prix and be able to reveal uh, sort of the uh, 
money schemes that is going on with these fixers and these companies like to take him down. But it turns out that his father, um, not good dad like Pops is, is like, we actually want to, uh, we only won this race simply to like boost the stock market for ourselves and make our company more rich. Mm-hmm. Which, Top again, 10 I think just... anime betrayals. <laughs> I Okay, I think, Kaylee, you tweeted about some top 10 anime betrayal oh, yesterday. That was about Supernatural. Like... Different subject. Oh my god. Okay, I didn't understand a single word of that tweet, but I was like, you know, good for you. I just love using that phrase, top 10 anime betrayals. It's, is is that a can, common phrase can... or something? Oh yeah, like it's a mean, it's like, it's like the, um, like, you know, when people say that, like, Shrek or Cory in the House is, like, a top ten anime of all time. It's the same they thing. They do? Yeah, like, that's yeah. totally a meme. I, I, it's I, a meme I'm, to say top ten anime I don't, betrayals. I don't know a lot of anime memes or... Kaylee and I clearly anime. have a lot of the same YouTube searches, so <laughs> it's good to know that I'm not alone. <laughs> I don't even watch that much anime, but yes, I, I do like using that phrase. <laughs> it is quite a betrayal. Um, it is. Uh, How dare you? I, I was I rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Yeah. yeah Tejan Te- is a dick in this whole uh, I, sequence. But he comes through I, at the end. He, yes, does. he does. I like how there's like three different levels of betrayal between the, all three people in this Tejan family where um, the father is purely like, we need the money. Let's like boost the stock market. Like screw like, sort of turning over all these other bad companies. Um, Tejan is just sort of like, oh, win the race. Like that's fine, and like he doesn't even care at that point. And then the sister, on the other hand, feels complete guilt about it and is able to give like literally what looks like a first grader's graduation certificate over to Speed as like the way of him getting into the Grand Prix. Like that's his ticket in. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 like a a D and D like neutral. Uh, it's like an alignment chart between the three of them of like right. who's good and who's evil and oh, the one thing you need to touch on, Dylan, before we get into that scene and then the, the final race. After they find out that Tejan, you know, wasn't actually gonna give the information that he, you know, testify against Royalton basically about all the race fixing. Speed goes and drives at that same yes. track that he was at in the first movie, and he runs into Racer X there. Who just is there? Start, yeah, he's just there, and then like you know, for whatever reason, he gets mad and like tries to bump him off the track. I guess. Yeah. You know, but like you know, they have this whole interaction, and they like they they fight in the same way that people in Fast and the Furious fight, where they're trying to knock each other off the road. Yeah. But then they stop and then he asks him point blank if he's rex and he takes his mask the helmet whatever the hell it is off and it's clearly not rex like the, the guy yeah. looks different um but so but he does a really good job of like telling speed he's like you know you need to figure out you know why you're racing like you know why is it important to you who are you racing for like what are you doing this for because he feels so lost i guess after this whole uh, incident with Tejan, but I thought yeah. that that scene was a really good setup for later payoff at the end of the it, movie. It's fantastic, and um, I don't know. I, I think you listen to the podcast, Scott, but like I don't like twist endings, so I'm yes. not huge on this. Like, is he or isn't he sort of thing? 
I do think it brings a good emotional payoff, though. Yes. Yes. Well, and the other thing, too, is, like, and I don't know how much the Wachowskis did this with, um, you know, assuming how much people would know about Speed Racer going mm-hmm. into the movie. Because when you're saying that, you know, this was made for the specific intention of being a family action movie, the assumption is that the parents who were going to see yes, this yeah. would know it's like my mom watched Speed Racer. My dad watched Speed Racer. They were both both of my parents were kids in the 1960s. Like they it was it was, you know, being first broadcast when they were pretty yeah. little. So like they, they have a passing familiarity with it. And like they're because of that and because it was one of the first animes brought to the states like i think astro boy might have been the first one and then speed racer was fairly soon after that but because of that it has this place in the lexicon where you know everyone knows what speed racer is or yeah that assumption is made anyway so i'm not sure if they went in you know knowing that you know because that people knew going in that Racer X was going to show up and was going to be Rex. They they not. they have characters literally asking about if Racer X is Rex Racer so early that like I feel like they're not really trying to hide it too yeah. much. Yeah. So whether you know or not what the what's actually going on, but I mm-hmm. think that that was an interesting subversion though that they show that oh he doesn't look like rex at all maybe it's not okay. i don't know so and the, it kinda, one of the oh sorry. yeah go kaylee no it kind of shows that rex the importance of rex to the story is not as a plot twist it's as the no. emotional core of his loss and then when they have that talk about okay well maybe we lost rex but here's almost a stand-in for my brother figure and here's how i can grow and kind of walk in his shoes like Yes. It's not just a spectacle. It's also symbolizing the family core of the movie. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. So one of the two people I was watching the movie with, when they showed Rex, when he like threw the bomb out of the house, they were like whistling to like his massive biceps and stuff. Because he's (laughs) in like a really tight shirt and stuff. And when uh, it's, racer x fighting the ninja um shirtless they were like oh that is rex racer i know those biceps anywhere but it's not I like the how same actor. How it out. But, no but it's a completely different actor it's just no it fun. is <laughs> it's not even close yeah <laughs> but if you know anything, what i think i think big uh, biceps the, the racer x character is more cut looking than rex was which you could argue makes sense because he would be older but i don't know yeah i don't know but that was That's really funny. funny that they, they thought they picked up on like oh it's the same actor because they have big bulgy muscles when in actuality it's a hollywood movie so they all have big bulgy muscles except for john sure. goodman he looks fantastic as a dad he but. does no he 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 pulls it off that mustache well. um yeah, the mustache so, is anime accurate too, by the way. Oh, I'm not surprised. You're making me want to um, watch this anime. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Honestly, like if you guys haven't watched it, like don't necessarily like if you want to watch the whole thing, watch the whole thing. I would recommend though because it's it absolutely is a little bit of a slog, 
like just watch like the first like five episodes of it or something mm-hmm. just just, just to get good a taste for it yeah sure um but anyway and then i this is one of my favorite scenes of the movie is at this point when he's had this talk with racer x and it's like he realizes he's racing for his family and he's mm-hmm. racing for himself and he's trying to he's going to recover this sort of brother figure that he had with that he had lost um he decides to leave to go race in the grand prix and um there's this fantastic scene where it is shot exactly how the dad said you can't ever come back to rex racer but in this one he sort of does the opposite and he tells speed like the door is always open i will right. ask your father i love the you reverse of what he did with rex yeah i thought that was mm-hmm. a really it, 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 it's contrast. the exact same shot and uh, actor marking mm-hmm. setup that they do for yes. this was really and well done. The conclusion of that scene is is we're gonna send you with a better car that we're all gonna build ourselves. Yes. And so right? I love it's the so metaphor good. of like car for family. Like I, yes. I think yes. it's always yeah, a good so metaphor. And like you have the whole montage of them all working on the car and you have them doing different stuff and you have like Speed's mom is working on the car in one scene and then in the next scene she's like making everybody sandwiches and brings out a sandwich tray like it's it's so... you know what it's it, it's like it's it's done with such equal importance that like we need sandwiches like yeah I just every, I love, everyone's doing their part I love how just wholesome and like precocious the whole family and that whole sequence is it's great yeah um so they build what is effectively known to be the Mach 6 in the 32 hours leading up. I guess none of them sleep. So That's a good metaphor well, for this movie. actually the second Mach 6. That because Speed was driving the Mach 6. And that I didn't quite get why they just didn't have him in the Mach 5 the whole time. But I guess it kind of makes sense because like, the old Mach 6 blows up. So he has to go back to racing the Mach 5. And then he goes back and then he races the new Mach 6 at the end. But it really doesn't matter, though. It's just me being OCD anyway. This whole movie feels a little bit like 36 hours without sleep. So I think it, it transitions well. <laughs> it really I does. Um, it, it, it simultaneously like wakes me up and makes me feel exhausted. Yes. The entire time yes. I watch it. Yes. Um, so, oh. yeah. One other thing that I'll mention. Um, and I'll... I want to touch on this a little bit more at the end. There's a lot of little hidden callbacks that they have to the anime throughout. And one of the things that they did, so Speed's, like, I don't know if it's wallpaper or if it's, like, painted or if it it almost looks like a carpeted or, like, padded wall that he had in his bedroom. When they show the scene where he's getting ready to leave before he sits down with Pops, Mm -hmm. the patterning on his in his room is very much a callback to the checkered red and yellow patterning that was used throughout the show, both okay. in the anime and earlier in the opening of the actual movie at the yeah. very beginning, which I thought was a really clever design choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, talking about stuff on his wall, though, he has a picture of the, um, what is it, like the really old Grand Prix that was... Um, sort of raced by uh, i can't trying to figure out the name of the person because he's a commentator at the ending right the yeah the the older guy yeah you had the two commentators and you're the one that was a little younger and the one that was older yeah but the commentator is played by uh richard roundtree who's the original shaft 
which is just <laughs> incredible that they got him for this movie. It's like yes. inspired. Yeah, Very good casting. Gotta love it. Um, so, but they, he has a poster of the race that he won um, back when he was racing, and when he learned that that was fake too, he was like really destroyed that like this special thing he held from a child right wasn't real. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that they bring him back, and he's like actively rooting speed on in the race mm-hmm. that he's commentating, where yeah. it's like. You know, like I was part of the system, like, I, redemptive arc. Yeah. I regret it, like, and I get to cheer on, like, this person that's now breaking the system. Um, and just that it's Richard Roundtree is just my favorite thing. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Uh, should be in more. He's a, he's a great actor. Um, anyway, so we get to the Grand Prix, uh, the whole family's there, and they, uh, I think they kind of just get straight to the race, but the the point of this race is that like Royalton is placed sort of a bounty on a uh, racer's head that like someone needs to kill him. He even like, is like, I don't want him out of the locker room. Yeah. He puts in a million dollar bounty on speed's head. And so, and, and again, you see like with the previous races, everyone's cheating. Yeah. Um, so a lot of this race is, um, speed actively just trying to fight off everyone mm-hmm. else that is going on. And the main rival he has is this guy named Cannonball Taylor, who, again, quite a name. That sounds like a name out of the anime, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. It might be, but I'm. I, if I had to guess, I would say it's another main character for the film, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the important thing, though, is at one point Cannonball Taylor uh, speed hooks or uh, spear hook spear hooks yeah. uh, speed and when that happens speed does like a ski jump right in front of a camera so like everyone could see everyone can hook. see that he's cheating mm-hmm. yeah and, th- and that is sort of like the implication that inspector in- no what, what's his name inspector detector inspector detector our yes. man yes because of course yes yes um <laughs> uh yeah so but this sort of like this makes Cannonball Taylor crash out, but it sort of ruins the the Mach Six at a certain point. Um, I love that um, Pops knows exactly how to get it back up and running. And it's like yes. can Speed himself figure out? It's like he has to take his brother's word to just listen to the car. At which point mm-hmm. you can understand what the problem is, and uh, this is finding yourself this is, through cars. Yes. I know, it's great. But, like, to me, this is, like, the peak of all cinema, which is when he realizes how to put it into gear. And he just goes, boom! And he goes flying down the track, and he's, like, uh, just, he's, like, flying down, and, like, while that's happening, all the, everything we've seen in the movie, plus all the flashbacks and all the flashbacks. All the montages that they did at the end here, where it's going, where it's calling back to, like, every prior, like, scene beat with the family and why he's racing, who he's racing for, all the different beats with Rex. It's just, it's so well done and cut together. Mm-hmm. This is this is the sequence of the movie. And he, he gets up to the front and he has like two people in front of him. And he, he basically like spins them out and crashes them in together at the center of the track. And he goes through their okay, fireball. And the fireball turns into the checker pattern. That's like, yes, it's so good. It's one of the best visuals I've ever seen. 
Well, it's, and again, like the visuals throughout the whole movie are just spot on. I, I they're spot on, but like that one in particular on. is just yeah. visceral. Mm-hmm. It's really well done. Well, and I love how he has like I can't remember if he does this. I want to say it's after he gets the car going again because it's like he gets his second wind and he's super confident. He like I I think it might be Cannonball or maybe not because I think it was Cannonball Taylor he did it to. But he like goes into one of the like he like crashes into one of the other cars and like bumps him off and he's like get this weak shit off my track. <laughs> like that's, that's actually the line, line he says. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised how many cuss words were in this movie. I was, and and it stays PG at least, because mm-hmm. um, there's multiple shits in it, which yeah. I don't think is usually allowed to stay I PG. I thought it was PG thirteen, but maybe I'm wrong. It's 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 straight PG. Huh. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so he goes to this fireball and his car is wrecked, but yeah, he wins the race, and there's this great celebratory moment where. All the family comes up and they're all picking up the trophy and Spritel's like yeah. holding this massive trophy over his head. I'm like, that's gonna fall on your head and kill you. But yeah, the fine. trophy's like bigger than him and he's somehow <laughs> picking it up. Um, and at which point Speed decides to dip Trixie and uh, give her a kiss. Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> Kaylee, do you want to say what comes next? No, I'll let you do it. Oh, but. Basically, Spritel and Shim Shim stop the movie and are like, they have one of those, like, little, I don't know what that is, like a reflector thing that, like, doctors use, and they're in, like, a gown, and they're like, Sound effects may include. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I first saw it in theaters, um, how I'd said that my, my brother and my mom went to go see Tales of Despero. So that actually finished before Speed Racer was over. Uh-huh. So they came into the theater and watched, like, the last, like, 30 minutes of it with me. And I remember when that seemed up, uh, for whatever reason, my mom just, like, lost her shit and started laughing. For whatever reason, she thought that part was, like, really fucking funny. It's good. Like, that's some great humor. No, yeah, it's, it's well-timed and the fact that it's a callback to the prior scenes. So. Exactly. They're almost like these like god unreliable narrators that are controlling the movie itself mm-hmm. but that's besides the point um all right so now we get to the point i think i'll let you uh talk a little bit right now scott because this is when it's revealed that he is uh, racer fact. x yeah <laughs> yeah, that unbeknownst, is fact. yeah still unbeknownst to speed racer yeah so and i i i we touched on it a couple times before but and again i'll just i'll just say it again because it's probably been like an hour since we first mentioned it but it really was a recurring gag where literally every episode like not just you know every other episode or you know once every five or six episodes every episode <laughs> they have racer x show up at some point and it like literally stops and then there's this narration where it's like unbeknownst to speed his brother rex racer who you know left home you know was actually racer x and it's like this whole monologue that they go into like every episode and the whole reason he leaves i think if i remember this correctly so rex actually crashes like the first car that pops ever built the mach one and they have a falling out and get really mad at each other and rex just like storms off of the race course in a huff and just like leaves 
and then shows up later as Racer X, and like mm. that's it. Like there's nothing else. I, I, I'm I'm pretty I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure that's all there is to it. And okay. he just continuously shows up as Racer X, and no one ever finds out who he is. So, what they do in this whole with Rex's character in this movie is so much more meaningful and impactful than that. And you finally, especially find given this movie's about family. Yes. yes. So in this final sequence, you find out that Rex blows up his own car to fake his own death. You actually see him watching his own funeral. He then gets plastic surgery to completely conceal his identity. And like you see him like getting surgery, and then you see him with bandages, and he takes them off, and he looks like you know this other Adam that you know the family's celebrating. You know, my men are ready; they can take you down to be with them. And he goes through this whole thing and is thinking about it and it's this really emotional beat and he's finally like he's like you know uh this person asks him they're like you know did you make the right choice and he's like well regardless or not i have to live with that decision yeah and like he doesn't go down to see them and reveal who he is and it's just that's so much more impactful than what they had in the original show and again part of why i love this movie so much is they took you know, this original source material where there really wasn't a lot there. Mm -hmm. Like, Speed Racer is about as straightforward of an anime as... And part of that is just because it was an earlier show before you had all the later anime tropes that would develop with complicated backstories and hidden pasts and, you know, <laughs> all this tragedy and stuff like that would eventually become staples of the genre. Like, there's really not a lot to Speed Racer. And they got so much more out of it in this movie by adding to what was already there and just creating this really great story, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, the, the character of Rex um, and Racer X just really illustrate that. And, it, it, yeah. and it's really, like, they, they set him up. Like, he's a really tragic character, what they end up doing with him. Because, like, you know, he can never reveal himself to his family basically and he's trapped as this other person and just is you know stuck being racer x now sure yeah that's for sure so, um yeah anyway. so that's 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 movie that is speed racer and the titles roll over uh chim chim racing through and the end credits are so good it's like a modern day remix and cover of the original theme song it's great and i want to and I want to go back to, because there's a lot of points in the movie where they have little nods or throwbacks or callbacks to the original show. Like the open, like the very beginning of the opening credits where they have the, the tiled like squares, like the checkerboard pattern. That's a callback to the show. The like, that's a callback to the original theme song. They've yeah. got multiple different orchestral remixes of the theme song that play at different points throughout the movie. I really like the score. I think it works really well. Uh, really hypes you up. <laughs> For sure. He's a great composer overall. He has so many great movies that he's worked on. So with all the different like homages and callbacks that they do in the original series, I think my favorite is at the end of the, uh, the costume what was it, Casa Cristo? Was that what the... Yeah, yeah at, the, at the end of the Casa Cristo race, where Speed launches out of his car as soon as he hits the finish line and then lands, like, on both feet and, like, slides and does, like, a turn as he's sliding towards the camera. That is 
straight out of the show from the opening credits, and I mm-hmm. love it because it's so stupid and bizarre. <laughs> but they they put it in there anyway, and just like like little stuff like that, like just uh, I, I I love this movie. <laughs> it's a good. One. It's so good. All right. Uh, talking about how good it is, it's time to rate it. So, as always with the Ebert scale, we go thumbs up, thumbs down, and then out of four stars. So, uh, Kaylee, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up, of course. Scott? Thumbs up. Like, multiple thumbs up if possible. Yeah, well, all three thumbs that you have on your on your person. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then out of four, uh, Scott? Four out of four. Kaylee? Four out of four. Me too. We're all on a four out of four. We're all in agreement. It's it's a great movie. Um, Yeah, so that'll wrap up there. If you guys have time enough to stick around and shout out something that you've watched recently that you really enjoyed, I'd love to hear about That's how we end it, but I know we're going a bit long. Um, Do you guys want to try to do that, or should we wrap up here? We can do that. Um, Sure, let's do it. All right, uh, Kaylee. Was there what? What have you watched this week that's been good? Oh, um, I watched yesterday Angel Dust. I don't know if you guys um, like J horror or Kiyoshi Kurosawa. He did Cure, Pulse, some other stuff, but it's very, very similar tonally to those. It, it's it's quite a mind trip. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen movies by this guy. Um, there's some J horror like and. Uh, you said it worked pretty well, so I'm, I'm yeah. a, I put it on my watch list when I, when you tweeted about yeah, it. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely I like the first half better than the second half, um, mm-hmm. but it's very um, it's very akin to some of the J horror of the 2000s, where a lot of the emphasis is kind of placed on psychological and them on stuff being weird. Actually, have you guys seen The Empty Man from this year? No. Also, kind of similar no. to that. It's about a cult. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it, it, I it, it's well done. I haven't watched a lot of J-horror, but I have read a lot of horror manga, uh, specifically by uh, Junji Ito, who does a okay. lot of like really creepy like body horror stuff. Probably a little different than that, because I feel like body <laughs> horror is kind of its own genre in Japan, and then you got... Well, he, yeah, he kind of does, kind of does a mix where, like... So what he's become known for is the body horror, because... You know he's a manga artist so you know you get to know them through their art um but the story themselves like the narratives have a lot of like psychological like mind fuck kind of stuff okay know? okay uh, well that sounds cool is there anything else you watched this week kaylee oh this week um no well unless you want to count um i watched the maddie d up short and then la cienaga and that was about it not Maddie Diop had a short? Oh, she she has several on the Criterion channel. So I was watching, um, she did, did you guys see, have you guys seen the original Tukibuki from 1970s? It was an African film. Yeah, Tukibuki's very So that was her uncle, and she did a 40-minute kind of sequel to it. It was really interesting. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's on the Criterion Have you seen Hyenas, Kaylee, by by the same director? Hyenas? No, I should check that out. That's in my, like, my top 50. Okay, I will add that to my watch list. Thank you. All right. Um, what about you? Guys? And I love I love Atlantics, so I yes. didn't know about all these uh, shorts, so I'm gonna have to check that out. Scott, what did you watch? So this week I only watched. Um, I actually watched Pride of the Yankees the other night. Good um, movie. I, yeah, it's it's not the most historically accurate movie, 
but who cares? It's a, it's a really it's just it's a good film, honestly. Um, it's an old one. It's it's a good vehicle like, for Gary Cooper, who is uh, Daddy, ultimately. Yes, yes, and it's it's also sorry, like, Kaylee. <laughs> it's also um, like it does a good job of telling the story of Lou Gehrig, like from a surface level, um, mm-hmm. and the the actual parts with his wife are from what I understand, pretty accurate. Like, they, their real-life story was pretty, like, Hollywood storybook kind of romance from sure. what I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, th- they're they're adorable together in it. Mm-hmm. So it just, it makes, it's, it's a really good story and good narrative. And because we don't have, like, surviving audio or video of Gehrig's entire speech, other than, like, the newsreel bit from the beginning where he says, you know... I'm, you know, uh, I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Like, the version of his speech that's in this movie is what has become recognized yeah. by a lot of people as his speech, which is kind of interesting. Um, so I watched that, and then um, outside of that, going beyond this week, recently uh, I watched Shin Godzilla. Um, that was really good. I watched uh, I watched Throne of Blood, which was really good, and I'm sure awesome I'm sure there was probably a Dragon Ball movie somewhere that you could throw <laughs> in there that I've watched at some point. I lose track of those sometimes, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I have a, I have a pretty good stack of stuff to watch coming up um, that I was sharing with you, my uh, yeah. stuff that I got from the exchange. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's what I've been watching. Uh, for me, I watched a lot of. I- this is one of like the best movie weeks I think I've ever had. I had five movies that I watched this week. It was Life of Death of Colonel Blimp. Oh. Then City Lights. Oh. Then Charulata. Oh, okay. Then Broadcast News. And then Barry Lyndon. These are all like five out of five. That's a really good lineup. Those are the best. Like (laughs) I don't know. I think all of them are in my top one hundred. Oh wow. If not fifty. Wow. Okay. And like one of my favorites by like all of my favorite directors so i don't know good movies so you followed all that up with the best movie ever in speed racer oh sure sure like just <laughs> capping off a great week um, yeah lot, lots of stuff dealing with like capitalism and stuff like city lights on mm-hmm. uh barry linden as far as like excess money and uh power going to people's heads of the past was but, so what yeah one other thing I want to touch on with Speed Racer really quick, um, <laughs> just as we're wrapping up here, um, that I don't think it's talked about enough, but I can understand why to an extent. It probably is the best like film adapt like live action film adaptation of an anime oh. that we've gotten. I know that there are like there's a lot that have been exclusive to Japan that we never got stateside that are supposed to be good or halfway decent but a lot of those have mixed or varying degrees of quality um Mm -hmm. i remember when i was in i think when i was in high school i remember a couple of my buddies went and saw uh the live action death note film or one of them not the netflix version which was awful (laughs) and not even worth discussing but the um apparently that's supposed to be pretty good from what I understand. And like I said, there's some others that I'm not familiar with, but as far as like American made anime releases, basically have this, which is 
way up here. You have. Mm-hmm. I made a I made a list of them. Let me see if I still have them on my phone here. Uh, so some you have, of the other. Yeah, go on. So you have speed racers like up here. Then you dig down about 40, 50 feet. You've got the Ghost in the Shell adaptation. <laughs> you dig down another 50, 40 feet. You have the Fist of the North Star adaptation, huh. which was bad. I don't and know then what you that dig is. down through the core of the Earth, like to the other side of the planet, into the atmosphere, and into deep space. <laughs> and then you go back another few million miles until you get into like a black hole and then at the end of that black hole you have Dragon Ball yeah. so like it's a, a testament to Speed Racer being really good but also just the bar is set so low for looking around on Letterboxd some of the other popular ones would be like um, there's only two other really big ones that I can find that are American made. One is Alita Battle Angel that came out a couple of years ago. Okay, I do know I've some people part of that. Mixed things about that one. Yeah. Yep. Did you like it, Kaylee? Well, I I have a friend who's part of the Alita Army, so I can't say anything. I've, I've I've read the manga <laughs> and I've watched. Um, I think I don't know if there was one or multiple OVAs that they did of Alita, um, which I thought that was pretty good, and the manga's really really good. I haven't watched mm-hmm. the movie. I have mixed feelings on James Cameron, so I don't know how I would feel about it. Um, yeah, it's not directed yeah. by him though. But oh, was he, he only is... a producer on it then? Yeah, he's only a producer. Oh, the okay. director is well... Robert Rodriguez, which oh. I have mixed feelings on. So yeah. yeah, so I I same for me. So I don't I don't know how I'd, I'd have to I'd have to watch it to give it a chance. I don't know. The other one would be Doug Liman's Edge of Tomorrow, which was based on an anime as well, or Live Die Repeat, whatever they calling it in their right um redesign of their i don't know that movie was had a mess of a release but it's still pretty good in my opinion have you ever seen either of the guyver movies dylan those are both based off of anime as well no they're kind of cult favorites from what i understand but like kind of like in a it's so bad it's good kind of way i think Uh-huh. I don't. I'm not terribly familiar with them, but I guess those those both are also both based on anime. But yeah, the the we're, we're scraping at the bottom of the barrel here. There's not a whole lot, so yeah. I guess anyway, for any so, future directors who want to make an anime film adaptation, make it make it like Speed Racer. Make it make it. Yeah. Yes. Don't please don't make don't make any more Dragon Ball evolutions. My soul can't take it. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, that'll wrap us up for us today. Um, you can find your podcast artist, Scott Brady, here, but also on Twitter at SBradyArtist if you want to look up more of his work. You can find Kaylee on Twitter or on Letterboxd. On Letterboxd, it's just Kaylee, K-A-L-E-Y. And on Twitter, you can find her at Mocha to the UNKN1. Uh, you can find us at Twitter and Letterboxd at Great Movies Pod or... Um, I guess we're now starting to shout out our Gmail if you want to write into us and we can read stuff out that you think about of the movies that we reveal. Um, we can You can write us at Gmail, greatmoviespod at gmail.com. And that'll do us for today. Oh, by the way, Kaylee, we, we sign out by saying Roger out. Oh, Roger okay. All right. It's very silly, but uh, no, I like it's it. a Roger out. Roger out. <laughs> Roger out.
right. Thanks for being here, Kaylee. Thank you for inviting me. And when I go to the movies, I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.